Hello, and thank you for listening to the MicroBinFi podcast. Here, we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There is so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody writes it down. There is no manual, and it's assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co-hosts are Dr. Nabil Ali Khan and Dr. Andrew Page. I am Dr. Lee Katz. Both Andrew and Nabil work in the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where they work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct member at the University of Georgia in the US. Hello and welcome to the MicroBenfield podcast. I'm your host today, and we're going to talk about SARS-CoV-2 data mining and how we build benchmark data sets. Uh, again, we're joined by Lingzi and Jill, and we're going to talk about how they put together the benchmark data sets for SARS-CoV-2 that we talked about last time. So this is like a part two, really. So I suppose I'm going to open it up immediately to Jill. Jill, tell us about how you guys went about actually finding the right data to use? Yeah, so as I kind of mentioned before, right, Adrian, um, at the time, right, we were trying to figure out where to uh, get the sequences from and then how do we download everything. And um, at the time on Guessate, I think it was just a little difficult to do a lot of bulk downloading. And so as sometimes it does, Adrian and I kind of ended up working on uh, the same problem and then went about it two completely different ways. Um, and I found this, I don't know if anyone else has used it before, but it's this Python package called Selenium, which allows you to um, remotely interact with web browsers. So you're nodding, so you have used it or no? I've, I've used it for continuous integration testing. Oh. Yeah, well, usually it's used as a test package for web for websites. Gotcha. Well, um, I commandeered it for other uses. And so I was just using it to search. We had a list of, you know, different ID numbers. And so I was using it to just go through and search that process. I'm sure there's like a faster way to, you know, go about it. But I think it was also because I thought it was like a fun tool. And so um, I wanted to play around with it in that sense. Um, and so ultimately Adrian got stuff downloaded a different way. And so I stopped that, but we did end up re kind of using it again because, uh, there was a, once we had a, a group of samples that we thought were good, there was still some checks that we needed, like wanted to make sure they were all Illumina, wanted to make sure they were all paired in, wanted to make sure that they all used Arctic primers and checking that information. So then I, I used it again to go to NCBI's website and pull uh, that information for the samples and then kind of give um, Lindsay a filtered list of everything that did meet the criteria rather than kind of like doing it one by one. I think I'm like any good bioinformatician and just like um, deeply lazy in some senses. And if I have to click buttons more than once, then I feel like this should be automated. So were you trusting all the metadata that was on uh, the SRA? Yeah, I was. Ex- uh, it, we took what it said on SRA. I mean, then it aligned, right? We ran it through an Illumina-specific pipeline. So if there was something weird that came out, right, there was no reads or or anything like that, then you'd be like, okay. Because I think there was, at some point, we ran some of it through the wrong pipeline, and then there was no reads in the R2. And then we were like, why is there an R2 if this is actually nanopore, right? So there was like some 
there were some oddities like that that we found. There was also some oddities in, you know, naming of things. People put, that was some of what I found and had to kind of specifically put in there, right? Because people didn't put the right information in the right place, you know, if there is a right place, or they called it different things, right? So there was no standard way of saying, other than saying Illumina, right? There was a lot of ways to say Arctic V3, right? Some just said version three, some said V3, you know, there was like a thousand ways that people did that. So um, some of that, that was part of the process of what took a while was like combing through that. And if I, you know, wasn't pulling the right information, like what are they actually saying on that webpage? That's quite difficult, like unbelievably difficult, I'd say, particularly since you have people well now using v4 and whatever so in the future you're going to have to be extra careful you know uh did they use v3 v4 or did they say did they said he is one he is the wrong one because that totally messes up everything so how did you find representative samples for the vocs did you pick like the very first uh example did you go to the pangolin lineages and look for their uh i don't know what you call them seminal descriptions of those lineages or, or what, how, you know, how did you come up with them or do you pick a centroid or something in, in a tree? Yeah, maybe I can describe some of the process and then I think Lindsay can, can fill in a little bit more detail. Um, so we kind of started talking about this, right? But first we had all these sequences that we got, then we basically ran them through this kind of like a uh, process in which we did kind of basic fast QC, right? Just what are the basic information here? Then we uh, use SAM tools to look at the depth um, of coverage that was at every uh, nucleus high position, so the average and the standard deviation. And then we ran them through the Titan pipeline, which gives tons of QC metrics. Uh, one of the, so some of them being like the number of ends, the pangolin lineage, the radar alerts, um, if there was amino acid assertions or deletions, uh, substitutions, um, and then, uh, yeah, sequencing depth across the entire assembly. So we got a bunch of QC metrics and if they kind of, they were cool with that, then what we did for the BOI VOC was we had an internal CDC reference and we used SNPI to compare the SNPs. And then we were looking basically for sequences that had the least amount of SNP differences to the CDC internal reference. And we were trying to make sure that the, the SNPs and changes that we were seeing that those um, were not in the spike protein so we looked specifically at what was going on in the spike protein and that it had the mutations that, you know, characterized it to be that uh, specific lineage. So Lindsay can probably add more detail. Yeah, so the idea is like we using the CDC internal reference for each lineage at the starting point. And then we go through the JSET, all the available uh, assemblies for that lineage, and then try to look for uh, the ones which has the like a list of SNPs and the, like a list of ambiguous ends. Once we have like a subset, we, we have like a link table between JSET and SRA. And then we will go back to link to the SRA and using all the SRA to go through the Titan and also through the SM tools and the best QC to check the quality to make sure they first meet out QC cutoff, and then second, they have the exact same spike mutation uh, described by the CDC like website for the VOI and VOC. Okay, so how did you 
How did you decide on which lineages to include and which ones not to include? Because there are a lot of lineages out there and a lot of them just go nowhere. You know, they they come and go and that's it. They they do nothing, particularly for the non-VOC stuff. And then for the VOCs, were you using your definition of a VOC or were you looking at the WHO list or, or what? Because I know a lot of different people call things different a lot of people have said they have variants of concerns but not everyone agrees that they are variants of concern so when we draft this project uh the, we still don't have the who nomination at that time so we used the cdc defined wheel ivocs at that moment that's all we have time for on the microbinfi podcast thank you again to lingzi and jill for coming and talking to us about uh, SARS-CoV-2 benchmarking data sets and how they did the data mining behind those. And I hope you guys can join us again someday. Thank you so much for listening to us at home. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the platform of your choice. Follow us on Twitter at microbinfi. And if you don't like this podcast, please don't do anything. This podcast was recorded by the Microbial Bioinformatics Group. The opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute.